This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Big stories, big guests, the big picture. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge. Weekdays, 1230 to 3, 770 CHQR. Welcome back, 403-974-8255. I want to spend a bit of time here talking about uh, technology, artificial intelligence, and robotics, uh, and and where they are taking us. Now, there's been a lot of focus uh, in the news on, on some of this. Uh, I read some interesting stories uh, recently, for example, uh, on uh, one robot in particular known as Erica and uh, its creator, Hiroshi Ishiguro who builds androids, as Wired Magazine says, beautiful, realistic, uncannily convincing human replicas. Academically, is using them to understand the mechanics of person-to-person interaction, but his true quest is to untangle the ineffable nature of connection itself. There's something to be said for that kind of research. Now, there was also some news recently about another robot known as Sophia. As uh, described here in The Verge, TheVerge.com. Sophia the Robot has been on a roll lately. Earlier in the year, its creator David Hansen told Jimmy Fallon that the bot is, quote, basically alive. At the beginning of October, it showed up at the United Nations announcing to delegates, I am here to help humanity create the future. And just last week, Sophia was awarded an honorary citizenship by Saudi Arabia. The headline from Arab News, Sophia the Robot becomes the first humanoid Saudi citizen. As this article points out, if this sounds like a PR stunt to you, well, you're right. But it does raise some questions about how we as actual humans start to perceive these creations that seem very much like humans. And at some point, do they become so human-like that we start to bestow upon them these perks, if you will, of, of personhood, citizenship, or, or maybe other rights? So joining us for some uh, thoughts on all this, very pleased to welcome to the program, John Bryson of the Department of Computer Science at the University of Bath, who's been actively involved uh, in, this, uh, in this realm, uh, working on the development of the action selection model, very crucial to uh, AI technology. Uh, Dr. Bryson, welcome to the program. Well, thank you. Can you hear me? Uh, yeah, can hear you just fine. Okay, Pre- great. Appreciate you making some time for us here. So your thoughts, uh, first of all, on all, all, this, all this hype, all these weird headlines about Sophia the Robot. Oh, yeah. Uh, well, it's, it, I was actually at a meeting of the OECD uh, in uh, Paris when this all broke through, and uh, it was, uh, it, I, yeah, I don't even know where to start. <laughs> it, you know, I, I've actually been saying for a very long time that, uh, to answer the question you asked earlier in, in your intro, um, we shouldn't be making AI to appear like it's human because it's, we are so good at um, then treating things that are human-like as if they're human. Let, let me make uh, that. I know that didn't make enough sense, so let me try a little harder. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we we already get attached to stuffed animals, right? I mean, yeah. some people get attached to their rocks or their doorknobs or whatever. We are really good at forming attachments, and so 
if you make products and tell people, hey, this product needs you, that you have to take care of it, it's really important that you take care of it, that you could get people to spend their mind, their, their time and their money and their intelligence, right? The, 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 the most precious things they have on a robot instead of on other people. So you could say, well, so what? But I'd like to think that, you know, people's lives are worth something. It's kind of essential to, to I mean, this is really basic philosophy, right? You know, oh, sure, yeah. If you don't mind if people <laughs> just think their time on robots, fine. But the, there's some real threats here, which is that if you ha there's so many people who sort of think that robots are a way to, I don't know, immortal life or something, because they, I think a lot of people confuse artificial intelligence with math. See, math is an abstraction, and so it's sort of perfect and pure, and it doesn't rely on the universe. <laughs> or maybe it relies on the universe, but you know, not on our planet being around. But computation is not math. Computation is a physical process, and it takes time and it takes energy. And we don't have any device. We don't have very many devices that are around for any great length of time. So it's really pretty unlikely that we would build a robot, an intelligent robot, that is going to last even 80 years. You know, how many, I mean, how old is your smartphone? Do you have a smartphone? <laughs> yeah, I do. It's not very old. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, you know, and, and, and so probably this is not at all a way towards having immortal, perfect children. Um, but while we think it might be, then, then people who have other kinds of alternative motivations, for example, um, getting out of having product liability, <laughs> will we'll tell you, oh, look, the robot's liable for itself. And so I, I actually had just published a paper a couple months ago, um, in fact, September, um, with two law professors, uh, a guy from Cambridge and a guy from Idaho, um, who, who uh, and the, the paper is about, you know, uh, legal personhood, so not creating artificial intelligence as a legal person, because we're afraid that what, you know, people think, oh, wait, we can have robots like C-3PO. But what you're actually talking about is letting companies fully automate part of their business process, that is, not hire people, and then tell them they, they can make a cap and they don't have any more to worry about in terms of, like, tax liability and also in terms of, like, you know, ordinary liability. If, if something goes wrong with a product, they can't be sued. If the, you know, like, if you make a robot car and you say that's a legal person now, then it goes bankrupt. Who, who are you going to sue? Who are you going to throw in jail? Well, no one if the, if the robot is already the person. It's like a, the ultimate shell corporation. So anyway, I, but before all that, before I got more technical, back when I was first noticing that people are weird about AI, <laughs> it was when I was working on a, a humanoid robot in 1993 at MIT, and people would walk up and say, you know, it would be unethical to unplug that. And it wasn't plugged in, <laughs> and it didn't work, even if you did plug it in. And so I'm like, how, how can this be unethical to unplug this? Why do you care more about this robot that, you know, that robot over there that looks like an insect, which actually does work, right? Right. Um, so that was how I first got involved in this. And um, I wrote a paper in 2007 pointing out that, you know, it would be unethical to build something that was a person that you owned because we've already decided that that's unethical. They're, you know, that's called slavery, and you can't do it. And um, so, but in order to get people to read the paper, because I'd actually tried it a couple times before nobody was reading it, I called it robots should be slaves, meaning that given that they're going to be owned, they shouldn't be people. Um, but anyway, the, I, I didn't at the time, but the, how perfect is it that one of the okay. countries with the worst human rights record, you know, I'm sorry if you're Saudi Arabian, but, you know, you didn't let women drive until a few weeks ago. 
So I, you know, <laughs> let alone like you know how they're, tr- they're treating political dissenters or whatever. So obviously, only a country that cares nothing about human rights would elevate. I mean, they don't let people who live there for a very long time. There's a lot of their residents who aren't even allowed citizenship. Um, in fact, it's illegal to be a citizen of Saudi Arabia if you're not Muslim. So is this robot Muslim? I mean, come on. <laughs> uh, yeah, probably not. Yeah, it, it's it's quite an interesting PR stunt for for the regime. Right. Well, a lot of countries are very worried. I mean, and not not just uh, relatively small countries. <laughs> like some, so I think all countries actually are very worried right now about falling behind in artificial intelligence. So I think it's a stunt to try to bring in investment. I mean, uh, yeah. the the a lot of the world's oil economies are worrying about how are they going to diversify, um, if because you know there are other uh, forms of fuel. Um, and of course, uh, especially Saudi Arabia is very threatened by global warming. Um, they've been having incredibly hot uh, times there. Of course, that's Phoenix, Phoenix, Arizona, and my country doesn't admit that we have uh, global warming. But, um, but anyway, they have a lot of problems, and, and they were they were no doubt just trying to get tech tech investment and maybe trying to get some programmers that that uh, that want to own women mm-hmm. to go there. Yeah, <laughs> well, maybe. Um, but, but getting back to the point you, you made, because this is an important point, because on paper we can describe what it is. Sophia does, or what this robot Erica does, or whatever we're going to come up with in the next 10 years, that academically we understand that these are machines uh, operating off of program. But once people start to form bonds with these robots, it, it really changes the equation, doesn't it? Because even though in your head you, you know yeah. the, the algorithm that, that's operating this thing, it, it feels real, feels like a person. Yeah, no, it's been shown that even six-month-old babies pay more attention to a humanoid robot than to, like, you know, kind of a, you know, a tin can robot, um, even if they're doing exactly the same thing. And for a baby to pay attention, it means that it's learning from you. It thinks that you're part of its in-group, that you're, that you're part of the family. So, um, we, yeah, th- that is a basic intuition, and that's why uh, the, Brit- the British actually are the uh, country that have had a, a national-level um, ethics guidelines for AI for the longest. They, they established theirs in 2011. It's called the EPSRC Principles of Robotics. It's just guidelines. It's you know, soft law, as they call it now. But it's, uh, there's only five of them. So it's sort of replacing the Asimov's laws, only it makes it clear that people, not robots, are responsible. But anyway, the fourth law is actually that you shouldn't make a robot to humanoid, that its machine nature should be apparent. And the reason for that is because you're right. If you think something is human, then if you treat it, like if you, if you uh, shut it off, or, or here, I'll give you a real one. You know, I, I'm a professor of AI, and yet sometimes I've been fooled by those phone, those phone calls, and you get a phone call, and you think it's a person. It turns out to be a robot, right? right? And so then you get really good at hanging up on these robots, right? Well, that makes it easier to hang up on people, right? It used to be I felt bad if I hung up on someone just doing their job, but now I just think, oh, I don't even know if it's a person, and I hang up, right? <laughs> I, I hope you don't think I'm evil for that. I feel I'm slightly <laughs> evil for that. Yeah. But, but, you know, that's the – and Kant described this. This is like it's, – it's one of those things Kant figured out, that you have to treat um, other things that you see as being human. So he was talking about dogs, not robots. But, the, you know, people are bad if they kick dogs, not because, um, well, Kant didn't believe dogs mattered that much to God. <laughs> mm-hmm. But he thought it mattered to us because we, think, we identify with a dog, and if, if we learn to kick the dog, then we might start kicking other people. Um, 
And so I, that's why, so one thing you could say is, oh, therefore we have to treat the robots like these very important things. But the other way you could say it is, therefore we need to make sure that the robots are, are obviously just machines. And, you know, the vast majority of the AI that's surrounding us, that's having huge amounts of influence on us, is not even slightly humanoid. You know, the stuff in your smartphone, the stuff, well, Siri is slightly humanoid, but most of the stuff in the smartphone, you don't even think of it as AI. Google no, search. Well, exactly, you right? Know, I mean, there's, there's so much happening with this technology, but we, when we hear about this, this technology, or this side of it anyway, it, it, we start to think of it as, as a threat. We start to think of it as, as sinister, right? I mean, and so that, there's a lot of negative <laughs> yeah. perception right now with AI. Well, yeah, is there? I don't know. I, I, I keep hearing both sides, you know, the, 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 the people who, who are super, well, the technologists are excited about the possible future. And actually the government and people could see that we could use this to help a lot of people. There's this whole movement, AI for Good, and all the positive things we can do, uh, you know, to connect citizens and empower citizens and help people have, you know, good jobs and whatever. And then there's the people who are saying, oh, the robots are coming and taking the jobs, or the robots are doing this, or the robots are doing that. I'm, I'm here to say the robots only do what, you know, they, they, they don't do anything. They are not the, the, what's called the moral agent is a technical term. They're not the original actor. So, so it, don't think the robots are taking your jobs. Think companies are replacing human employees with robots. And then the question is, do they replace the, the human employees, or do they um, sort of augment them? So, and I don't mean that in a scary, like, cyborg way either. Yeah. But if you think about ATMs, I remember when ATMs came in back in the 80s, right? Um, there, there's actually more human tellers now than there were then, but there's fewer teller, there's fewer humans per bank branch. And what that did was it made bank branches cheaper, and so now there's more bank branches. Now you can have a branch almost everywhere. And right. so that's why there's more human tellers. You still have only a few tellers, but there's just more of them. So that's the kind of uh, dynamic that we see. We hope that, well, yeah, the, the, the robot can take the boring job of, you know, counting notes for someone who just wants $50. Um, and then the human can go in and help you figure out about loans or whatever. Right. So that's, that's nothing to fear. <laughs> or just well, it should, it should be nothing to fear. But there are some scary things. I mean, when we don't know about AI, when we don't recognize it, like if you think that when you buy one of those uh, those those digital assistants that you stick in the middle of your uh, yeah. dining room table and ignore most days, but right. occasionally remember to ask what the weather is or whatever, you don't think about the fact that this thing is uploading or could potentially be uploading everything you say um, to to a cloud. And even if you trust whatever company you bought your thing from, how do you know that they're not being hacked? I mean, we all found out that even the biggest Internet companies are being hacked by the federal government of the United States, right? <laughs> but, mm -hmm. the, and the federal government, we, know, we all know, it gets hacked by other governments. So I, I don't mean to trivialize this. A lot of people are working on security, but the fact is, you, you know, it isn't – you think it's like, oh, it's this fun toy, but it's actually connecting where all of our information is getting connected in a way that really needs defense. Um, we, need, we need rights over our personal data. And uh, Europe, Europe has that. Europe is just getting, it, it was written as law a few years ago, and it's now coming into force. Um, but, but we in North America need this, too. Yeah, that's an important point. we got to leave it there, Professor Bryson. Great insights, and uh, thanks so much for making some time for us here today. Really appreciate this. Sure. Glad it worked right. out. Take bye care. You too. All right. Uh, Jonah Bryson, who's an AI expert with the University of Bath and does uh, a lot of research on the uh, action selection side of uh, AI.
So as she says, uh, you know, more than two decades working on this stuff. I think she raises some really interesting points. We're going to take a break here. 403-974-8255. We're back with more right after this. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge, starting at 1230 on News Talk 770 Calgary.